when I was uh, when I was raising the kids, I told them two things constantly, to the point of distraction, as they left to go to school, as they left to go to parties, as they left to go to be sleepovers with their friends. I told them two things. I told them constantly, choose God. If you just choose God, you will end up in the right place because he is the right place. Like he's, he's not gonna end up in the wrong place. And a lot of this is based on the way I was raised and a lot of this is based on that vacuum in my life. I ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time a lot of times. I rarely ended up at the right place at the right time. And, and I mean everything from hospital visits to you know, brawls to all kinds of stuff. And, and so I just constantly told them, choose God. Like, just choose him. And the other thing, second thing I told them, and I mean every day, they're going out the door. They, I asked them today, uh, or this week when I was looking over these notes, and they were like, you drove us crazy. Choose God, every decision counts. And I don't know if we really realize that. I think we think that there's trivial decisions in our lives, but I think that that's not really, really true. We know biblically, and we know psychologically, and we know from education, and we know from work habits, that it's all the little things that we choose again and again and again that build good habits or bad habits. It's the little things that we do again and again that cause us to have money when we need it or not. It's the little things we do again and again that lead to promotions or not promotions or even firing. It's all the little decisions. It's just the little decisions you make in your relationship with your husband or your wife, with your best friend, with your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad. It's all the little Itty bitty things. If teenagers could learn this, they can manipulate their parents like crazy. They guess make good decision, take out the trash. Good decision, help with the dishes. Good, good. All these little good decisions that cost them five, ten minutes, and then they would say on Friday night, hey, I want to go to a party. And implicitly, what they don't realize, their parents' brain would be leaning towards which answer? Absolutely, because I trust you. I'm watching you make consistent decisions, right? I'm not saying do it to manipulate. I'm just saying this is the way all of life is made up, right? You've heard it right? Integrity is what? It's what we do when no one's watching. Craig Rochelle wrote this book called Divine Direction. I consumed this in the something-something river headed towards uh, Quebec City on a boat. Is when I finished this book, and I have been sitting on it for like eight months. Just God told me to share with you. Um, you get the book. He's an incredible author. It's a lot more detail, but we thought as we started out the year, and one thing God put in my heart is that for each and every one of us, Maybe we could just look into these seven simple decisions. And I promise you, everyone behind it has a, a totally practical purpose, a biblical purpose. If you're not a Christian, those purposes will still work for you. They will change your story from now to the end to a better story. Just seven simple choices that we make that just lead to a better life, that change your life forever. And so I, I'm super excited about sharing this. Craig says this whole little decision thing this way. The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell about our lives tomorrow. Let's just think about it for a second, because the thing is we generally don't think about tomorrow. We think about tomorrow about retirement. We think about tomorrow with money. We think about tomorrow you know, but with a lot of worry. But how many of us actually just sit down and say, of all the choices we're going to make today, what is that going to add up to tomorrow? You know, what is that going to add up to tomorrow? So it is, it's the small decisions, really, that nobody sees that determine our direction. In, in some negative examples, think about it, in relationships, right? If you don't spend time together in a relationship, you grow apart. And you can't just take, gentlemen, listen to me, you cannot just when you realize you've neglected this relationship, buy flowers and take her on a weekend because she won't believe it. Ladies, 
correct? Women are great at this. They're looking for small, consistent investment and relationships. See them all nodding, right? A guy, he can get busy with all his whatever he's doing, and he can start feeling neglected. You could take him away for a weekend and romance him, and he's dumb enough to go, hey! <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you don't make those investments in each other long enough, what happens is you grow apart. Having kids does this, doesn't it? Distracts us from that main relationship, does it again and again. But it's all those little decisions. Nobody comes home and goes, I'm out of love with you. It, just, it, it builds over time. Uh, how about just in habits? I mean, I'm not picking on anybody, but bad habits, immediately everything, smoking, addiction, blah, blah. How about just eating too much or not being in shape? Um, if you're a Christian, maybe you're one of those 90% that have never actually consumed the Bible just you know, for you, not like because you were in a class, but just to read about your God. Just, just, if you think about all those little habits that, that maybe aren't good in our lives, like you get it, right? And, and, and it doesn't happen. You don't gain 100 pounds in a day. You gain 100 pounds one cheesecake at a time, right? Okay. And works the same way. Very few people, unless you just have a terrible boss or something terrible is happening, walk in and get fired. And you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. It is that way. I went in, it was like day three or week three or year three, and they just fired me. And I'm going to argue, as somebody who's employed a lot of people and watched a lot of people, that's generally just not the case. There is a certain percentage of bosses who need to re read the book you know, how not to be a bad boss. All of us could read it so we could be great leaders. But the point is, is that usually there's a long history of you and work and relationships at work, getting there late, not finishing your work, choosing other things over work. Nowadays, it's that cell phone thing. More people get let go because they can't get off the cell phone when they're supposed to be serving burgers, Right? No, I mean, this is a huge thing. If you're not aware of this, if you're later, later in life or longer in the workforce, this doesn't resonate with you. But it's a terrible, it's like people can't let go. They can't be at work. In the same way, there's positive examples. If you do invest in your relationship, and, and, and you, you have to work at this. I think all of us have to work at it. And I, would, and I wouldn't say it's just guys. You know, Amber works all day long. She comes home. She's tired. She doesn't necessarily always want to cook. I don't want to cook. We may not want to clean, but, it, but, but the moment one of us starts cooking, the other one starts to disengage and go in and help. Or if they're in the middle of something, they go, like, if she's tired or I'm tired, you know, it's like, Amber, I just need to rest. Can I rest? I'll do the cleanup. Yeah. But it's all those little interactions. It's all those little choices to be a team in a relationship. And they add up to funny, silly, crazy moments. It's like we joke and goof off all the time. And, and one of my big warning signs that maybe we're getting a little disconnected is when we stop goofing off, because we're just silly. Like this morning, I came home, so um, I was talking to my homeowners association yesterday, and I was trying to you know, just explain where, who we were, and I was like, you probably see me wandering in the neighborhood in slippers, I, this, this is so me, right? In slippers with a pair of holy jeans and a ripped up coat that I've had for 20 years. And, and my hair is all whatever, right? Or a hat. And I'm like, don't think I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be, you know, slumming it. I'm sorry, we're in the neighborhood. It's just, I have, believe it or not, I have a set of clothes, like, that I wear when I write, and they're just my writing clothes. It's just, like, comfy, you know, whatever. So today I came back in, and I was getting ready to make breakfast, and Ember was getting ready, and I happened to walk by the mirror after walking the dogs. <laughs> and I saw myself, and not only today was I wearing all that, because I wrote this morning, but my stocking cap, which apparently I don't know how to install, 
was like over like this and that. And I walked, I walked in and I said, baby, I went out looking like a drunken sailor. You know, we're just goofing off. We're staying in the closet. We're just goofing off. Those things are great for me, but those things don't happen without those little investments, right? They just don't happen. And you can't be connected with everybody all the time, but, but man, even the little ones on Sunday that you get or on a Wednesday, they, that, so you see it in the positive. You see it in, in work habits, right? You show up to work on time. You do your work. You got a smile on your face. You don't talk bad about your boss, even when he deserves it. You're going to be the next one promoted. You know that. It's, just, it's, it's all the little choices we make at work, at home, with habits. My buddy Joel says this. So many of us were focused on the big things. But what, what Joel puts it this way, and when he writes, he says, success is a direction, not a destination. I can be successful the moment I start moving in the right direction. Okay? When, for Christians, if you're, if you're a believer, most of this is about aligning what we claim to believe with how we're actually living. And then surrendering to God to help him write our life story. These, those are our big struggles. So if you're a Christian, the, the big struggles are, that's it. That's where the crux comes, is me aligning what I claim to believe, right, with the way I live. And then actually surrendering my life, like God might actually have a plan and know what he's doing. And help, letting him help write that story. Proverbs puts it this way, Proverbs 16, 9 says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And, he, he, and don't think God doesn't want you to plan. He does. It's all throughout the Bible. He wants you to think ahead and plan and this, that. He wants you to do it with him. He wants you to look at who he is, his character, how he works in this world, right? Like I was telling you earlier about some of the objectives we have here. Did you notice the objectives? We objected to help people with low-cost low child care. That's excellent in, in incredibly beautiful spaces. That's totally consistent with what God wants. God wants us to help our neighbors. He wants us, right, to use the space he gave us in a positive way. He wants us to reach out to people. He wants us to share our faith through our hands and our words. See, this is, a, this is an objective, something God put in our path that he can bless because it's all consistent with whom he is. That doesn't mean we don't have a plan to keep the daycare profitable or keep it going so we can pay people and take care of these families, but it means he determines our steps. God wants everybody to be saved. It is his perfect will. He says it. It is my will that everybody be saved. Anything that we do to make ourselves available to be part of God going out into the world and saying there's hope, you know he can stand behind. Are, are you, seeing, you, you seeing where we're going? So it's not that we don't need a plan. It's that he determines our steps. When you align yourself with the, who God is, what's important to him, Success is inevitable. Success becomes inevitable. Now, before we head off into seven weeks of the series even further, I need to say this. The single greatest choice that I have ever made and the single greatest choice you'll ever made, and if you think this is a sales pitch, it is. Let me just set you free. Was to follow God, to give my life to Christ, to become a Christian, to ask for forgiveness. It changed me. I cannot tell you I heard everybody say it, and I ignored it for years, and one day I was like, they seem to really have it together. I said, God, I'm going to give this a try, and he called me on it, and he changed my life. I don't live in shame anymore. My regrets have pretty much been erased or are now useful for other things. He changed my life as a single decision, as the single best choice and decision that you can ever make, but if you are a Christian, you need to understand 
you still have to choose him every day. The only way to follow God into greatness is to continue to make choices that are consistent and aligned with who he is and how he made you. So, so many times what we're trying to do is we got a, we got a machine that's trying to make wheels and we're trying to make buckets with it. Okay? He designed us a certain way, physiologically, psychologically. He, he designed us a certain way spiritually. And we function that way. And when we try to fight that, we get fat. When we try to fight that, we have heart attacks. When we try to fight that physically, right, we're not designed to carry stress all day long. We're designed for our hearts to be at peace. His design for that was for the Holy Spirit to come in. I mean, go find a peaceful country. There's several of them in Europe. They eat whatever they want, they smoke, they drink, and they outlive us. Why? Because they have two-hour naps in the middle of the day. They stop the work week. Vacations are a month long. Work and money is not all they're about. And they just beat us. I'm not saying, you know, to go smoke and drink. I'm just saying, like, they're beating us. And, it, and I have a couple doctor friends, and I, I, they'll tell you, stress is the number one killer. Like, it just again and again and again and again. Henry Blackaby said that his incredible work experiencing God. Henry Blackaby said, you know, what we need to be doing, right, is just joining God where God works. So we need to take what we believe. He's so awesome. He loves us. He has plans. And we need to align our lives with that and let him help write our story. So these seven decisions that we're going to look at, every one of them has an incredible principle behind them. Every decision guides us to a better story in our lives. Maria Robinson kind of said this incredible thing as we kick off. Nobody can go back and start a new beginning but anyone can start today and make a new ending. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with the decision to start. We're going to start one thing today. Earlier I asked you if you have thought about your life story. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds. This is going to feel incredibly long. I'm going to give you 10 seconds because I want you to think about your life story. If it ended right now today, just right now, whether it would be a story you're proud of would there be things, chapters you hadn't written yet? Would there be chapters you want totally deleted and burned? I just, just we're going to take 10 seconds. I want you to think about your story. So is it the longest 10 seconds of your life? Is it the first time you've stopped in a long time to just think about your story and, and have you reached the end of it or, or what's the next incredible chapter? I think for a lot of us, our story as it stands today may not be really everything we want it to be. You can't unwrite it but you can redeem it. You can't unwrite what's already been done, but you can redeem it. You can choose not to have regrets. You can choose not to be a jerk. You can choose not to be angry. You can choose not to be bitter. You can choose to start. You get it? You, you, we can redeem that because the truth is you're still alive. You're still alive. You're still alive. I can do this every two seconds. You're still alive, which means your story's not over yet. Your story isn't over yet. And, and instead of focusing on the end and missing the middle, like so many do, a great thing to do is just to look at your story 
and figure out where you need to start today. You know, just start today. We want to pick five, ten things and, and then New Year's resolutions, and we never keep any of them. You can't do that. There's very few people who can actually truly multitask. The people who tell you they can multitask, it's just an excuse for ignoring you. you the brain doesn't work that way. They, stuff multitasks in the subconscious. Very few people in the conscious can keep two things going at once. What's the one thing? Like, what's the one thing that you could start that would change your story forever? So if you think about it, all these little starts are important. It's, it's easiest to see the impact of a start like we did at the beginning when we look at the negative. Consider this statement for a minute. Bad habits are the absence of strategic habits. Bad habits are the absence of strategic habits. I read that and I was like, bad habits are the absence of strategic habits, right? It's like, if, if, if you're overweight, the, the strategic habit, habit missing is what? Taking care of yourself. If, if you're having trouble because you never leave your desk, and so every time you go up a flight of stairs, you're out of wind, it's because you're missing a strategic habit of what? A little bit of exercise, cardiovascular, uh, cardiopulmonary, whatever I'm supposed to say, right? So if you have an addiction, you have an absence of something. If you just think about any bad habit that you have is the absence of another habit. And, and it's a strategic habit. And so do you see that? What would happen? Let's say you have five bad habits, and this year you just pointed out one and said, I'm going to start something. I'm just going to start something strategic. Well, see, I just told you you can't really multitask. There's only so many things you can do. And I used to tell those kids this all the time. Be busy about doing good. You won't have time to get in trouble. But you can't start five things. So just start in your brain right now thinking about it. How do bad habits start? Did anybody set out to get addicted? Did anybody set out to get grumpy? Did anybody set out to get fired? Did anybody set out to have a crappy relationship? They're just the result of what? A series of what? Small choices. The beautiful thing about this is that this entirely works in reverse which means that I can make strategic good starts and I can end up with a better story. I know almost every boss, every teacher, probably, I know the two doctors I know and, and the one in the back there would say, I'd rather you just start doing one good thing and do it well and do it for a while because what will happen is you'll start to feel success and then you'll choose the second good thing. Weight Watchers does this, Right? I hate to be hitting on these, but these are all the classics for the new year. Working out, weight, going to read my Bible, going to be a better person. All of these that are successful all work on what? Not massive things, but what? Changing your patterns. And so the beauty of this is I can make strategic choices, right? Just make strategic choices that change my life forever. And then when crisis comes or then at the end of my story, I'll have an incredible story. Let me tell you about a guy who had an incredible story. His name was Daniel. Most of you who've been in church know this. Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel gets in trouble with the king. He's a real godly man. He gets in trouble with the king. They throw him in the lion's den, and the lions don't eat him. King comes back the next morning, and he says he didn't get consumed, and he was glad because the king didn't want to throw him in the lion's den. It was the other politicians who did. And the other politicians 
kind of put a trap out for the king. They made a rule that nobody could pray at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon because they knew Daniel always prayed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Daniel worshiped his God always at 3. So they convinced the king to make a rule. The king didn't know Daniel prayed at 3. king made a rule. Anybody who prayed at 3 would have to die. Then they brought Daniel before him. He's like, Daniel's an incredible guy. I want to kill him. And they're like, you said so. So the king had thrown the lion's den. Throw him in the lion's den. He's there overnight. Next day, he come back. King goes, Daniel didn't get eaten. And then the king, not the bad officials, but everybody else gave praise to God. And it says that someone began following God. Now, that's a good thing to have on your tombstone. Daniel, I didn't get eaten by a lion. That's a, that's, a, that's a good ending to your story. We're still telling the story 4,000 years later. That's a good ending. But you don't get that kind of ending unless you make the choices that Daniel did. Daniel chose to start praying, to start worshiping God, and to stick with it. Simple little choices repeated day after day. Do you know why God said that Daniel didn't get eaten in the lion's den? Because Daniel was God's man. Daniel made a consistent choice to align what he believed with how he was going to live. And it paid off in a big way. So what, I, what we're shooting at today is for you to, to just, take, just take one thing. You probably have a list of 10. But one thing that you could start today, just one, whatever it is, physical, spiritual, psychological, emotional, just one thing that you could start in 2023, just one, that'll change your story for good. Not 10, just one. And the crux of all this, you can see, in a story with, these, with two kings who were in the times of Israel. Ahab was the king of Israel, and there was this guy named Ben-Hadad, and, okay, so, and he's the king of Aram. Aram bad, Israel good, in this story. Got it? Aram comes, Ben-Hadad comes, and he's, I'm going to take you down. And they're like, no, you're not. And they're back and forth. And the, a prophet, which is how God spoke to his people back then, came to Ahab, and, and he was like, you're going to win these wars, it's that. And then the guy's still picking up, and Ahab's getting nervous. He's getting so nervous. But then here's what happened. God spoke to Ahab, and this is what he said. Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you see that? Who's going to win the battle? God. And he's going to do it in such a way that Ahab is going to be reminded that God's God. What's God saying? Do not worry. It says this in Matthew, right? Don't worry about it. You're going to eat or drink or anything. I've got this. I'm God. If you make those small decisions that align with me, I don't lose, so you're going to win. You with me? Well, it's easy to look at this and go, good, Ahab, go fight the battle. But if you're actually getting ready to go fight the battle, you have some strategic questions to ask. Here's one of them. Ahab's first question. But who will do this, asked Ahab. I like that. Like, okay, so we're going to go beat these people, but who's going to do it? And I love God's answer. Here it is. This is what the Lord says. The junior officers under the provincial commanders will do it. Okay, so not the king. Not the central corps of generals. We're out at the provincial officers, and, and not even they are going to go. 
So nobody with brains is going. We're going to take the junior officers, the first lieutenants. And there's only hundreds of them against an army of tens of thousands. Ahab has another question. And who will start the battle, he asked. The good news, thanks for the direction. Who's going to start the battle? I, I never noticed this until recently. This is God's answer. You will. You'll start it. Now, I got to do the spoiler alert. The end result is this. They go out and they're fighting in the hills, right? They're fighting in the hills. And these just junior officers and a couple hundred of them whip Ben-Hadad's bottom. They wear him out. They flee off and they go, we're going to come back and fight him in the plains because they're mountain people. If we get him on the flatlands, they actually come back for a second battle. And Ahab's gang of junior officers whip them again, chase them until Ben-Hadad begs for mercy from God. And all of Aram gives credit to the Lord God. Who started it? Ahab. He had to be the leader and he had to start it. Who finished it? God. Who fought it? People of God. So here's the question I have for you. What's your start this year? Who's going to start? You're going to start. Who's going to finish? God's going to finish. If you're a Christian, that's it. If you're not a Christian, you can start your faith. He'll finish it. It's all good. But what I'm saying is this. To those of you who follow God, what is the one thing you can start this year? What is it? Because you know that if it aligns what you claim you believe, and you surrender that to the kind of God he is, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, he can give you the strength, he can give you the ability to do it. He did with Daniel, he did with Ahab, and I could go on and on. God is so in the business of his people living great lives when they honor him. So what's your start going to be? Is it going to be your marriage? A tough one. Brings tears to my eyes. You ever been in a bad relationship? I'm not. I'm in a great one. But I've been there. Anybody else? And if you're in a stinky situation right now, you're either the good guy or the bad guy. Or both. And it hurts. If you actually care, you hate that you're not really great at this. If you're falling out of love, well, that stinks because none of us signed up for that. How about work? Endless drone job, bad boss. It stinks. But you're like the junior commanders. And with God, you can do things. But the question is, what's your start going to be? You're going to start something new in your marriage, start something new in your work or your character? Maybe start something new in your spiritual life? Here's one. Start something new with your money. I know a guy, he could be named Doug, because Doug was there at one point. But I know a guy who was thousands of dollars and he spends his whole life saying eventually the next time the thing comes in I'll pay it 
You know how you pay off thousands of dollars, right? Ten bucks at a time. And when you learn how to give up $10, and you see that bill go down by 1000 you get motivated, then you give up what? You all know this. It works, doesn't it? You get motivated. You figure out how to give up 20 because you want to be free. You want your soul back. What will be your start this year? Better relationship with mom and dad, maybe some forgiveness need to be made, or what's going to be your start? So here's what we want to ask you to do. We want to ask you to take 24 hours before you decide. We want you to think about it. We want you to pray about it. Just think. Give yourself 24 hours. No rush. Sort through the list of things that you could start to make a better ending. Just pick one. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk to somebody about it. If you don't have somebody to talk to, you can find me. I'm pretty good to talk to, but I got people better than me. Man, if you, don't, if you need a friend, you are in the right place. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk about it. And then sleep on it. Like tomorrow night, sleep on it. Or, or tonight, or tomorrow morning, or your nap. And sometime tomorrow, before you go to bed, start it. I floss my teeth almost every night. I didn't for a really long time. The benefits of flossing are girls kiss you. I didn't realize that plaque makes bad breath. In my case, girl kisses me in case you're getting picky. You don't have to have those nasty drills go in your teeth. And you don't have to cough up $5,000 to repair 20 years of damage. Flossing my teeth is the hardest thing I do every day. My life's tough, isn't it? I don't know what it is, but when I get done with my snack, which I always eat in bed, and I brush the crumbs out of the bed towards Amber, and uh, I just want to close my eyes in a carbohydrate-induced drift. That $5,000 killed me a couple years ago. So I get out of bed, and I say to Amber almost every night, she can tell you it's true, these three minutes, I can do this. I can't make it routine. I don't know what it is. I've been doing this now for years, and I cannot turn it into a habit. There's just something inside of me that's a little rebel, I guess. But I take those three minutes, two minutes to brush, 30 seconds to floss, I'm fast. 30 seconds to rinse, I slap the retainers in that I have to wear now for the rest of my life, and I go to bed. By the way, retainers don't get you kissed. What I'm telling you is this. One step at a time. One thing can begin to change your story, and one thing will lead to two. Probably by the end of the year, you will have done five. What are you going to start this year? One last word. If you are not a Christian, it's so uncomfortable because I've spent my whole life with people telling me, you're not a Christian, do this. But I need to tell you this. Probably your best one thing to do in the next 24 hours is to decide if you can believe in a God who's big enough to bring you this place this morning and the friend you have or the change you see in your friend's life. 
and to make that your start. The most monumental thing that you'll ever do is to begin your spiritual walk with God, to begin a journey, and you will not be alone. We are really good at the walking with. And so are other people. I was telling a newer friend of mine the other day, if this place isn't for you, let me help you find a place that is. Churches come in all flavors and styles. You just want a place where they'll walk with you, they'll never abandon you, and they'll help you follow God. But your journey can start today. To forgiveness, to freedom from shame, to destroying regrets. If you're interested in that, would you come find me? And I'll tell you how my journey started. Or find anybody who was on the stage, they'll tell you how their journey started. Because that's our greatest hope. Is that all of us will figure out how cool God is. And align what we claim we believe with how we live. To redeem our story. Because our story is not over. Our story is not over. And even if you have a great one, there's greater things to come. But they are one decision at a time. I hope you guys will come back next week and hear decision number two. You could cheat and get the book, which we have some copies out there if you need it. If you're a guest, they're on us. Um, because we'd love to see it change. But for the rest of you, you just have to wait until next week to know the next decision. Father, thanks. Because you're God, thanks for saving me. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And I pray that um, if there's somebody sitting out there right now who wants to start their journey, man, all, all you have to do is just say, I believe that you're, God, you're the thing I want to start this year. I don't know how to do that. And I may not be great at it, but I'm convinced, which is faith. And, and I end up, help me, God. For the rest of us, God, I pray that you'll help us find that thing to start that that gets going and, and builds and begin to change our story for better. You know, maybe it's going out in the community. Maybe it's getting involved in discipleship. Maybe it's, you know, just getting involved in, in a, with friends and family or fixing whatever it is, God, that that success will build to another success. And at the end of this year, it'll be the best year. And we'll have the confidence to know that next year is going to be even better. Love you, Dad. Amen.